Eagles Entertainment. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day. We've got one last training camp practice from South Philadelphia today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 401. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Ben Fennell and Chris McPherson about our takeaways from the final practice at the NovaCare Complex on Tuesday before the team takes off for two weeks of joint practices in Cleveland and in Miami. 90-minute practice this morning. It was lovely outside, a little bit overcast, a little bit of a breeze. Eagles got some work in and helmets and shorts with plenty for us to dive into. We'll hit on all of it here in this episode. But before we get there, a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, I want to make sure I remind you guys, head on over to our Apple podcast page, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. If you've got a question about the team before the season starts, now's the time. Head on over. Leave the question there in the comment box. We'll answer it here on an upcoming show. Also, be sure to check out the Journey to the Draft podcast feed. Literally just posted it about an hour ago before I started recording this episode here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Myself, Ben Fennell, Dane Brugler, we broke down the top prospects in the SEC, the best conference in college football, the, the most talent without question. We get into exactly why the proof is in the pudding there with the SEC. We talk through some of the best players in college football on both sides of the ball. You do not want to miss it wherever you get your podcast. That said, let's get this one started. Excited to talk through today's practice with Ben and Chris. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, time to welcome in Ben and Chris as we start uh, Chalk Talk. And C-Mac, we've got a, a transaction or two. Ooh, we've got some things baby. to hit on and also some, uh, some little roster uh, machinations as well to get into before Tuesday's practice. Let's go into the trade. So the Eagles on Monday sent tight end J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to Seattle in exchange for defensive back, and the team was very clear on listing him as this, not a corner, not a safety, Hugo Amadi, former fourth-round pick out of Oregon, very versatile in his first three seasons with Seattle, has played the nickel, has played deep safety, also a ton of special teams experience, around 500 snaps in two of his three seasons there. So he comes in, and you know the Eagles are embracing versatility in that defensive backfield. We've seen Josiah Scott move from nickel to safety as well. The Eagles are mixing and matching, trying to find the best 53 and practice squad. So no guarantees here for Umadi. It's really a chance for him to compete over the next couple of weeks. And for Arthega Whiteside, he gets a chance to latch on. It was just tough sledding here, making that transition to tight end. And the Eagles are stacked with not just top-tier talent in Dallas Goddard, but veterans like Richard Rodgers and then young and upcoming players like Jack Stoll and Tyree Jackson said to come off PUP st- soon. And uh, Noah Togi eyes yep. played well in training camp. So um, it was really a numbers game and a, an opportunity here for Umadi. Yeah, but I think when you look at Umadi, uh, real quick, Ben, uh, he's like the, the style of player that you and I like really like. You know, right. just a really feisty, competitive corner. Uh, he played... Safety corner, Nicholas C-Mac mentioned. Um, special teams, uh, this is a really fun player. Yeah, over 51 games played at Oregon. Special teams, Stallworth as well, versatile player. And it's kind of just uh, Seattle is a luxury of riches out there. You know, one of the better safety tandems in Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. Justin Coleman's kind of their nickel. 
That means they have some extra bodies out there and some really talented players. And this is the time of year to figure out who has a surplus at a certain position and maybe, you know, uh, provides a need for another team. So uh, I don't expect us to be done with the roster comings and goings. And that's what August is all about, you know, trying to see the landscape of players and prospects across the league. Well, so, C-Mac, take us through the rest here. Yeah, so the Eagles still have to some work to do to get to the 85-player roster limit by 4 p.m. We are recording this ahead of time. We have not been made aware of those transactions just yet. The Eagles coming off the practice field. We get right into the podcast, so the Eagles are probably having some meetings to uh, finalize those last couple roster decisions, so I'm sure you'll be able to follow those on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the app, and our social media channels throughout and, and the day. Of course, we will hit on it here on Thursday morning. Correct. Uh, here on yes. The podcast. yes, indeed. So uh, in terms of the injury report, uh, new to the injury report list, Marcus Epps was sidelined today with a back injury. Uh, Miles Sanders, it was he was out with leg soreness on Sunday. Well, it's been changed to a hamstring injury for the top-tier running back. Uh, we saw Boston Scott. He got some work, uh, first-team unit and team drills. It was his first time back on the yep. field, uh, working his way back from the concussion. He was limited, along with LaRaven Clark, who has a hamstring injury. Uh, John Hightower, even though we did see him in some team drills, he has a groin injury. And cornerback Jimmy Moreland with the ankle. So the rest of the injuries, I'm not going to go through all of them. The same from Sunday's practice. Uh, James Bradbury left pre- early on in practice. Practice, did return to the field very quickly, um, but didn't really participate in any of the team periods after that. Uh, not sure exactly what the injury was, but uh, something we'll keep an eye on here moving forward through the rest of the week. But it didn't seem too serious because he wa- he literally walked off the field, went to the tent, and walked right back out. But we just didn't see it's him on the field. I didn't see that, and I saw other guys rotating in, and I thought yeah. it was a day where they're just trying to get some new bodies in there. Jaquiski Tart, you know, we're seeing working back in there with the safety rotation after he was missing time for a personal matter. But it was one of those days where I just thought the coaches might be just trying to mix and match guys and see, hey, you know, give like the Zach McPherson's a chance sure. to run with the ones and see what they can do before they head out to Cleveland. So that happened. It looked like the injury might have happened on that first period. Ben, I know you were over there for the first period, and one of your big takeaways from that, uh, and you say it was a really a recurring theme throughout practice, the amount of empty sets from the Eagles offense uh, here today, and that's something that, um, you know, you get through these days where, all right, we're going to, today's going to be a big screen day. Today's going to be a big perimeter run day. Well, today it looked like the Eagles were kind of in, in court Incorporating and installing uh, their empty looks uh, on offense. Yes, you saw Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew back there with very little players around them. You know, so you had a lot of empty, a lot of wide formations, which means no RPOs, no run fakes, very little motion, no stacks and bunches, wide formations, spread them out. What do we always say, Fran? Defensive truth serum. Very tough to disguise when you're playing against empty. So it's very important on the quarterback to make a pre-snap read, make a decision, and rip a throw. Straight drop back pass game. That is a heightened point of emphasis for Jalen Hurts. I wanted to see the timing of the ball coming out. I want to see him get the snap, make a read, make a throw. And we saw that ball come out. A lot of the sessions, he wasn't holding the ball. And I love seeing that. Not to mention empty formations. Saw the running backs all over the formation. Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown on the inside. Empty formations. Defensive truth serum. You start finding your matchups pre-snap. Saw a lot of linebackers over Devontae Smith. Saw safeties over A.J. Brown. This is the 2022 Philadelphia Eagles finding those matchups and toying with formations and trying to be advantageous off of of that. Yeah, it's good for the defense to be able to work against those looks. And and once you get into the regular season, you start to get a sense of uh, when you have your weekly opponents, you're trying to game plan. 
defenses typically only have a couple of different checks for empty. So when a team motion, especially when they motion to empty late, the defense quickly has to, motor, all right, hey, our first empty check it might be cover two or it might be cover three, whatever it is. Well, now as an offense, that's an advantage because you say, okay, uh, we know that this is a, when we go empty, they're going to be in cover two. What are our cover two beaters? Who are the best players that we can get in position to attack that cover two zone? And a very popular aspect of empty is motioning that running back out wide. And for yep. fans watching on Sundays, fans watching practice field, Who's over the, that running back? If it's a corner, 99% of the time, it's zone coverage. That's it. Yep. And if you typically have a linebacker walked out over him or he's following him, 99% of the time, it's man-to-man coverage. Really hard to disguise. That's why we call it defensive truth serum because you almost have to show your hand. So the quarterback make a pre-snap read and then just rip it post-snap. We yep. saw a lot of that today. So yeah. what's interesting is it was also a red zone drill yes. as well. And so you mentioned Devontae. You mentioned A.J., well, Zach Pascal no was the one who was making the big plays. Mm-hmm. He beat Slay. I think it was the first play from, from scrimmage there. Beats uh, Darius Slay on the outside. Big play. And then later on, Jalen Hurts rolled to his right and found Pascal for, for the touchdown. And Coach Sirianni was loving him up big time. Uh, definitely very, very loving happy. Up. Hurts or Pascal on the play? Pascal. 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 So, hey, I've know, seen some, some bracket coverage sprinkled out there. Might be able to du- double number six. Might be able to double number 11. Can't double everybody. Still yep. have Pascal out there. You've got, got have Goddard out there. Have pass-catching running backs out there. Having multiple weapons is about surviving in you know this day and age of NFL. So you could typically take away someone, scheme away somebody. It's nice to know we have three, four, five deep receivers that can contribute. They had another uh, red zone period later in practice, and Pascal scored on a, on a quick slant from the slot. Uh, he was so good in the red zone during his time in Indianapolis. And I think people think of red zone weapons, oh, you got to be the six-foot-four oak tree, like, oh, just throw it up. No, there, there are lots of ways to be good in the red zone, and he certainly seems to have a knack for being good he in that area of the so field. so confident. And not only is he a big, styled receiver, he's a good-looking kid, he's, he's filled out. Yep. He is so confident over the middle. You never see him alligator one or maybe drop one, taking a little thud from a linebacker. He works over the middle field with such aggression, physicality, confidence. Yep. He is a alpha-type presence the way he you know runs his routes and catches the ball. It's really, really fun to see, just like you mentioned on those slant routes. Those are tight windows, and you're probably going to take a lick. He steps into the ball and plucks them with confidence. He knows he's going to take that hit. Really impressive to see. A lot of reliable weapons for the quarterback. Devontae, A.J. Brown now, Zach Paschal. Some really alpha-type receivers. It's funny, though, because the, the guy that I thought was like the focal point in the red zone today was Goddard. Yeah. And there was a red zone 7-on-7 seven seven period, three straight plays, bang, 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 Goddard, yep. Goddard, Goddard. Uh, and then the next period, they had like that move-the-ball session where uh, they did a bunch of stuff in the middle of the field, and then on the final play of each like grouping, they went down inside the 10-yard line and ran one play, and who who's going to win the play? When the ones went up, Hertz finds Goddard for a touchdown in the red zone. So I, I thought that Goddard's presence inside the 20 uh, was really prevalent today. And again, to your point, Ben, like it's a lot of ways for this offense to be able to win inside that area of the field. Working on a spiking today. Yes. Quite, quite frequently throughout the course of the day. So I think he's trying to get that in midseason form. Coming off the great performance he had on Friday night uh, was credited by Coach Steichen. Coach Steichen spoke to the media before practice and said the toughness that Goddard showed after catching the ball to find his way Good into the end yep. zone. Tremendous finish A couple there. of those spikes needed work, though. Let's get all the he's, he, on, on Friday, he did like the, like, chucked it straight up in the yeah. air. He didn't even spike. I, I like that. I, I prefer Let's the spike. Let's bring our old friend James Casey back. Maybe do a little <laughs> clinic with the tight end room he had some booms back in the day oh well we in the state of ohio that's where he's uh currently at he's the tight ends coach for the uh, cincinnati bengals oh, Casey. Yeah. yeah um so C-Mac, I know uh, Shane Steichen spoke before practice uh, any other big takeaways uh, from that presser just lots of praise that 
Jalen Hurts was flawless in this game. Very, very good on the opening drive. Six passes, all completed, 80 yards for the touchdown. Uh, great decision-making, both in and out of the pocket. The thing that he said was he doesn't want to take away his legs. He said that's a superpower that Jalen Hurts has. Why are we, if all the receivers are covered, great. I mean, it's going to be man-on-man situation, and I'm going to trust Jalen Hurts every time to go out there and win against a linebacker or a defensive lineman. So we don't want to take that element of his game away from him. And as much as we like those late-in-the-down scrambles, starting to see some late-in-the-down checkdowns and going through progressions fast. I'm an old fart quarterback, you know, uh, <laughs> studier. I love getting to the checkdowns on time. My favorite play of that eight for eight performance no or six the for Sanders six. Play. Getting to Miles Sanders. Oh, yeah. You know, it was a little bit of a run fake. You're trying to hit Goddard down the seam, hopefully getting a linebacker sucked up. Defense stayed deep, looked to AJ Brown really quick, got to Miles Sanders. What did Sanders run for? 10, 11? Yep, Easy yards after catch. Yep. I love the timing of that, Fran. You know that play happened, and that just tells me that Jalen's really taking the next step as a passer. So everything you're saying, late in the down scrambles, using his legs, let's keep that balance with getting the ball out late in the down too. But to me, it works in concert with the first part of our conversation where we were talking about how defenses are going to have trouble matching up in zone coverage against this team if they line up with all these guys moved around the formation. If you've got a mobile quarterback, you want to play zone. You want eyes on the quarterback. If you're playing man, everybody's turning to the quarterback, and now that you've got the ability to take off and scramble, so now the defenses have to kind of pick your poison. You play man, you've got hurts with his legs. You're going to play zone, well, now you've got the ability to win some of those matchups in the middle of the field. So that's one of the reasons to be excited about this offense with the, the addition of A.J. Brown, the addition of Zach Paschal, Goddard taking the next step, you know, entering the season as tight end one. So it's, it's a really fun group. I'm excited for it. The other element that Sykin brought up is they're trying to work on the downfield passing game. Yeah. And we saw that pretty often on Friday night now, and that's something that they've been making concerted effort with Hurts being more comfortable in the scheme and understanding the reads. And you brought up a great point, Ben, about going through the progressions and knowing what to look for from the defense is that they're definitely trying to find a ways that with all these weapons to get the ball downfield on explosive plays not just the check downs and they could take the ball and get yards after the catch but also you know get the ball and get those air yards as well we saw the uh, AJ Brown deep ball late in practice uh, it feels like he's got one of those big plays every single day Ben you made a point uh, in the practice notes uh, today that uh, showed late hands uh, on that play just take us through what late hands means uh, for a receiver well it's a indication in the down for the corner for the cornerback covering the receiver to then look, go and look for the ball they're often reactive on the receiver's movement. So the receiver looks, I look. The receiver shows his hands, I need to find the ball. So receivers that have late hands are trying to disguise the ball's coming. So I didn't see early in the play, but I saw at the catch point. And I was almost thinking to myself, is A.J. Brown looking? Because you didn't see his hands extended. The ball just came in, and I called it a bucket throw because he didn't have to do anything. Just right in stride, and his hand just popped up literally at the last second perfectly in stride right between the corner and the safety, kind of a whole throw downwind. I want to say it was almost 50-55 in the air. Beautiful rep there. But those late casual hands, the corner had no idea the ball was coming. Accurate throw. Looked pretty good out there. It was big time. Uh, outstanding job and great breakdown there on what late hands means. Uh, guys, I want to kind of wrap up the conversation, just kind of turning the page a little bit towards joint practices here against Cleveland. Ben, at the end of Sunday's practice, uh, our podcast, you talked about uh, some matchups to be able to watch. I thought, all right, let's dive a little bit deeper into that too. And just who, who's a guy that we're most excited to see once they, they put the pads on and, t- and we see those joint practices on Thursday and Friday. Uh, C-Mac, I'll go to you first. Who's the guy that you're most excited to see uh, with the, this week against Cleveland? Yeah, 
we talked about him already, and you mentioned the seven-on-seven seven period where he was downright dominant. That's tight end Dallas Goddard. And we're all excited to see what A.J. Brown brings to the offense and Devontae Smith in his second season. But you said earlier also that this is the first year where Goddard is tight end one. And I think that people are not quite realizing how big of a weapon that he can be for this offense. And we saw that on Friday night when he scored the touchdown where he's able to get downfield, he's able to break the tackle and be able to get into into the end zone. Um, just a, such a versatile weapon, great runner after the catch, great athletic ability, can block and do enough of the dirty work as well. Uh, I'm really, really excited to see him take the next step. And as you're going against another team to get another colored jersey to flash against, I want to see him continue to establish himself and showcase why that even with this promising young group of tight ends, that he is clearly the best on the roster. I mean, they've got a really interesting group of like second and third level defenders in Cleveland. So uh, the matchups that, that Dallas Goddard will see, I mean, they've got a, a big nickel corner in Greg Newsom, who they took in the first round last year. They've got a young safety in Grant Delpit who hasn't played a ton. They're hoping to get more out of him. Ronnie Harrison, they traded for from Jacksonville. He's a guy that plays a lot in their big nickel package. So uh, uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, they took in the second round last year. So all these different body types, I would imagine Cleveland is, is excited to be able to see an athletic <laughs> tight end like Goddard to kind of mix and match and get a sense of those, but it's going to be good for Goddard as well. So I think that's a, a really good uh, combination to kind of take a look at here in practice. Ben, uh, how about you? I'm excited for us to show them our receiving core. Mm. So we're very diverse. We have track stars and Quez Watkins and, you know, back-end guys and obviously the size players and the twitched-up players. Diverse receiver room. So I'm really anxious to see what we could kind of give them and challenge. On the other side of it, I'm interested to see what their pass rushers give us. Yeah. And every room in the NFL is different as far as how you construct your defensive line group. You have certain types you like at defensive end. And across the league, ends and pass rushers come in all different shapes and sizes. We play a lot of Sam linebackers. We have some outside linebackers. We have some undersized edge rushers. Well, Cleveland, they like their edge rushers big and long and hulking. So they have Miles Garrett and Clownies. They have some interesting back-end guys like rookie Alex Wright or Isaiah Thomas out of Oklahoma who had two sacks, I think, in the first preseason game. Or even like a veteran like Isaac Rochelle, yep. who's 6'5", 280, defensive end. So just getting different types for the continuing develop Jordan Mulata and even like Elaine Johnson. Yeah. You know, I'm almost getting bored watching him lock up, you know, Brandon Grahams and Hassan Reddicks out here. I want to... Let's see Miles Garrett out there. Let's see, you know, uh, you know, a, a Chase Winovich or you know, Clowny. Like, there's big, longer bodies that he. Had, they had, there's only Josh Sweat has that body exactly. type in this D line group. I'm not expecting to see big 65 out there in too much preseason action. Right. So I want to see some live regular season elite reps in practice here, and I think the Browns. They got some bodies, I think, to challenge us a little bit. So RO line. Let's see if we're up to the challenge of their pass rushers. And I think our receiver room is really going to give them some issues on their back end coverage. And to me, like the going the opposite side, like watching the Eagles defensive line against the Browns offensive line. So Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat, Derek mm -hmm. Barnett, go, that group going up against, you know, Jedrick Wills and uh, and the, the right tackle whose name is uh, escaping. Yeah, Jack Conklin. Thank you for first round They got two pick. burly guards and Batonio yes, Wyatt Teller. Just like watching those guys. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun set of one-on-ones uh, to be able to take in. Uh, ben, one other last note that I thought was a really fun point 
point from you um, watching practice today. There was a unit or there was a, uh, a defensive line grouping where it was, um, I believe it was Brandon Graham. Uh, what, what was the, the, it was Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham. And Jordan uh, Davis. And Jordan Davis. And you're like, okay, those are all three first round picks. And Derek Barnett was out there. It was like, oh, there's four first round picks. And you're like, wait, when they go to their five man front, like Fletcher Cox out there, that could be five first round picks out there. This is the second team defense, which we have a lot of interchangeable parts with first and second team. So don't, you know, take it as yeah. the gospel that they're the backups or anything like that. But the fact that the second team defense was on the field and there were four former first round picks on a second team defensive unit yeah. in the front seven, just on the defensive line. Yep. Now that speaks to their pedigree. It speaks to what the league thought of them and their, obviously their traits coming out of college being first round picks, but just to have that type of depth, something I've been harping on Twitter and the podcast just seven, eight, nine deep on this defensive line that can all stop the run and rush the passer. I think seeing four former first-round picks on the second unit just continues to speak to that depth. Yeah. Just really impressive little snapshot to see there. be like, Just like first-rounder, first-rounder, first-rounder. Pretty special group. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because like – and look, there, there was a lot of talk this summer. There was a lot of talk last offseason about is it is it a 4-3 or is it a 3-4? Is it a 3-4 or is it a 4-3? To me, like this is a defense that clearly they want to be multiple up front, and that's that's a calling card of a lot of defenses in the league right now is that they want to be able to line up in a lot of different ways. So to try and say, uh, to put it on one piece of paper and say, this is the depth chart of the defensive line, that's to me that's a, like a fruitless exercise because they have so many different packages that and those each of those packages have different depth charts so like Brandon Graham might be with the first group in this in package A he's with the second group in package B lining up inside versus outside and you just go down the list if there's four or five different packages and all these guys have different roles well, you're going to see all these different groupings. That's what makes it really really fun. And it goes back to that term, like, positionless football. Like, that's really what you're seeing with this defensive line group right now. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be a fun topic, certainly, to follow here throughout the rest of the summer and as we progress further towards the start of the regular season. Well, guys, uh, it's going to be a fun trip out in Cleveland. Myself, uh, Chris McPherson, will be here every single time the Eagles practice, not just against the Browns on Thursday and Friday, but also against the Miami Dolphins next uh, is it Wednesday, Thursday? Yeah, right. C-Mac. So yes. uh, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, next week against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we'll be here to break it down right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast.